Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying 2018 and I hope you had an excellent kind of Christmas, New Year time, managed to get some time with family, get a break, chill out a little bit. Our Christmas was really good. Uh, we had a good time at home, chilling out. We saw family, we traveled a little bit. We had a good time, but our Christmas always ends abruptly now, and that is because my eldest son, Levi, has his birthday just right at the beginning of January, so kind of 3rd of January, everything comes down Christmassy. Our house gets kind of laid bare, and it always looks bare when the decorations come, doesn't it? It always looks like when you get the tree down, there's that, but for us, balloons go straight back up and banners because it's uh, Levi's birthday, and he was eight on Thursday. And there was um, a moment in the morning when we'd given him some presents and he had been given by his auntie and uncle a football kit, which he suddenly just loved. And we'd bought him a goal and he got a ball and he wanted to do a football party, which we had the weekend. And I took a picture of him standing in this kit um, in our sort of uh, play area in the house and it suddenly struck me how big he was and how old and suddenly he's an eight-year-old looking back at me and he was standing there like this with his foot on the ball and he was just like I just suddenly oh my goodness what happened to that baby he's now eight he's now huge and he's running around and he loves his football kit oh my goodness he's worn it four days straight we managed to peel it off him Saturday night I think to wash it and he's now got it on today but it's just I've got this big energetic boy and my youngest son Ash is going to be six in about four weeks' time, so they're growing up. And it's this kind of idea of growth. And people have asked us, interestingly, they said, have you ever thought about having another child? You know, people ask those kind of questions, you're like, oh, that's a bit... But the fact is, we had another child, it's you. Because the, the church began in between Levi and Asher, so you're our weird middle kid, you know, I'm just saying. So we've got three kids, but the reality is they're all growing. They're all getting bigger. There's more of them you know, than kind of we expected, and it's growing up as we're moving forward. And what God spoke to me about at the beginning of this year, he said, actually, it's normal for things to grow. It's normal for things to develop. Healthy things should be growing. That's just the way it works. And they grow physically. The obvious one is children. But we also grow in lots of other ways. And if you're healthy, we grow. These mature in life and that kind of thing. And as we begin 2018, I just want to talk to us a bit about growing in something this year and something I want to put our focus on in how we're going to grow in this area um, as we look forward. So what I want to do is I want to remind us of who we are as a people, where we're going, but then there's a couple of things I want us to come back to that we're going to hammer again and again 2018 and I want us to grow in it because as believers we should be growing as well. As followers of Jesus, we should grow in that we should grow as disciples. There should be a maturing, a growing up in us. When a child is born, you don't expect it to stay the same. It should grow and develop and change and mature as it goes. And the same with us as believers. We should grow and and change. Our faith shouldn't be the same when we became a Christian one year, two years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years ago. It should grow and there should be evidence of that, which is what I want to have a little look at today. So first thing is I want to remind us who we are as a church, where we're going, which I periodically do just to keep us on track. The first thing, our purpose, what we're about, what we're about as a church, where, kind of what's our core thing. We put it up on a banner here every week. This one's looking a little bit old and tatty. We're getting them redone and changed, but 
what's written on them is going to stay the same. And it says on our purpose statement, we believe real life is having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and changing our world with Jesus. And I tell you that every Sunday morning. Has anyone clocked that yet? What I say at the beginning of the microphone is the same. Do you start mouthing along yet? I know where this is going. I do that because it's important because we need to remind ourselves. And as a church, it's good at the beginning of the year just to remind yourself what we're about. If you want to sum it up in one word, it's Jesus. We're all about Jesus. We're, we're all about knowing him, being known by him, and hoping getting others to know him as well. Because we believe that relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship you will ever have ever in your life. It's the only one that really matters we put it in a comparative term. If you have the relationship with Jesus and nothing else, then you're still doing all right. You could have hundreds of other relationships but miss out on Jesus and then you're lost. So we believe real life's about having a relationship with Jesus, number one. Then we, check, we, we are then transformed into his likeness bit by bit. We follow his example. We follow his model. The Holy Spirit works on us. We become more and more likening. We grow. We develop. Then hopefully as a result of that, the world in which we live, the bit we inhabit, our families, our workplaces, our relationships, wherever we go, wherever we connect with, will then somehow be transformed because of our presence there. And that's what we believe we're about as a church. Because we think Jesus is worth knowing. He's the most important person who ever lived. He is God the Son, come to earth, born from a virgin. We just celebrated Christmas. He raised. He lived a perfect life without any sin. He died on the cross. He rose from death in our place so that we could have new life. And we want to tell everyone about him. So that's what we're about as a church. That's our number one thing. And our ultimate purpose here as a church is to celebrate what God's done, but also to tell others what it's about so they can get to know Jesus for themselves. And we are unashamed about that. That is our purpose. And that's why I tell you it every week. That's why at the beginning of the year I'm reminding you this is what we're about. 2018, what's it about? It's all about Jesus. It's all about getting to know him. It's all about following him. Second thing, where are we going Kind of what's our direction, what God has set for us. And there are three things, and there's up on a banner here as well we put up every week, which again I tell you every Sunday, this is what we're about. This is what God called us. Because when we started the church, um, January 2011, so do the maths, how old are we? Seven, right? Yeah, you're the funny middle kid, aren't you? We always forget that. Seven years old, Levi and Ash are eight and six, I know that. We're seven as a church, and when we were starting the church, God spoke to us at the beginning about a few things. This is what the kind of church I want you to be. This is going to be your particular flavor, your particular direction. This is what I want you to express to the world around you. And he said three things. He said you would be a large, influential, reproducing church. And if you've been here for any period of time, you will know God is doing that. Not because we're smart or intelligent or we've got it sorted. It's because God is gracious and he has spoken something and he is faithful to his promises. And he is doing what he said he was doing kind of in spite of us. Using us to fulfill his purposes. And the reason we thought, we we felt this is important, we felt God spoke to us that we'd be these things. But when, when God speaks, you immediately go to the Bible. You say, well, what's the Bible got to say about it? Am I hearing this right? Can I check this? And when we read the, God's word, we find that actually God has always wanted these things for his people. If you go back to the beginning in Genesis, what did God do? He created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden. What's the first thing he asked them to do? That's not a trick question. What's the first thing he asked them to do? multiply, make more. I want more of you. 
I want more and more. God's plans always have a people for himself. The people grow and fill the earth. And he took one person out. They came to Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, I'm going to make a special covenant with you and your descendants. But Abraham was well old. And his wife was old. And they had no kids. And it seemed like a kind of crazy thing. But God said to him, do you know what? You're going to have descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of people. When you think of me, he says, I'm going to bless the nations of the world through you. And then he had a son, Isaac, he had a son, Jacob, who had many sons, had 12 sons. They then became the nation of Israel. And they multiply and they multiply. And God's purposes are coming forth. But then actually it goes beyond that because we get the prophets turn up in the Old Testament. And they say, well, actually, it's not even just going to be for you, the descendants of Abraham. Israel is going to be for the nations. It's going to be for everyone else, the Gentiles, all the people who aren't the direct descendants of Abraham. And the prophet Isaiah said that it shall come to pass that you will be um, that the mountain of the Lord will become chief among all the mountains, and the nations of the world will come streaming. And actually, it won't just be about the, the physical descendants of Abraham. It will be about the nations of the world coming, and there will be a light that will shine out from you and change nations and they will see the light of God and the good news of Jesus then we get Jesus himself appears on the on the scene that we celebrated Christmas he's born in a manger and he goes out into the world and he proclaims the good news says the kingdom of God has come and he takes 12 guys and he trains them he dies on the cross he rises from death and he takes what's he say to these 12 guys before he goes to heaven he says go into all the nations of the world and proclaim the good news Take it way beyond this little area we are into all the nations of the world. Keep growing, keep multiplying. And then we find as we read on and we get the, um, the apostles like Paul who write about what Jesus has done and, and kind of record it for us so we have it, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you have faith in Christ, you are also a descendant of Abraham. So that promise God gave to Abraham, not just about his direct descendants, is now multiplied out that if you're a believer in Jesus, you count as one of those stars. Wow. God's plans are coming to fruition. And if we read through the book of Acts, after Jesus had died and gone to heaven, we see just multiplication of the church. Church is getting planted. Even on Pentecost, Peter preaches one sermon. How many get saved? 3,000. That was a good sermon. I'd like to have preached that one. 3,000 just joined the church. You're like, wow, I like that. And it says if you read through Acts, it's just people get added to the church day by day by day by day. And then we get to the end of the story. And you go to the book of Revelation, and there's the apostle John, and he has this vision. And he sees the new heavens and the new earth, and he sees this multitude before a throne. And what do you say about the multitude? He said it couldn't be numbered. It was so vast. And it was from every tribe and every nation and every people group. And they were there worshipping Jesus. God wants a large people for himself. From every tribe and every people and every nation. And we believe God has called us as a church to grow numerically large to reflect that. That more and more people get to know Jesus. That's what it's about. Jesus is worth knowing and we want more and more and more and more people to know him. And God has spoken to us specifically as a people over the years about growing and multiplying. The one that sticks out was when my eldest son was born. We weren't even here. We hadn't moved and uh, someone prophesied over us. And uh, Le- when Levi was born, he was big. 
He was a big baby. He was eight pound thirteen when he um, he arrived. And when we were, we were part of the NCT group, and we, when we put him down next to all the other kids, it looked like he'd eaten one of them. You know, he was just they were huge, and there were these little ones, and there was this. We laid them out as parents do those, and just measured them all. And he was the big one in the middle. Um, and someone came and prophesied and said, "As so your son grows big, kind of ahead of the curve." So the church that you're going to that you're going to birth will also grow ahead of the curve and grow big. We were like, "Whoa, that's incredible!" But God is doing that amongst us, and it's incredible just to be a part of that. The second thing God said we should be as a church and where we're heading is to be influential. God wants us to be an influential church. If we read God's word, you read the Bible, you find God has a habit of using men and women to be influential for his purposes. And often they occupy positions in, in just ordinary kind of worldly structures and systems. We have Joseph who became prime minister in Egypt and he ended up saving the nation. We even preached through that uh, a while back. We have Daniel in Babylon and Queen Esther in Persia and Nehemiah who was cupbearer to the king in Persia. And they were just men and women going about their daily lives in essence and God pulled them out and used them to be influential for his kingdom and to advance his purposes. And they were used powerfully by him. And then we get Jesus comes along and he says to his followers in the Sermon on the Mount, he says to them all, he says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's, that's you, that's us, that's these followers. He says, you're all going to be like that. What do we know about salt and light? Well, salt, when you put it on food, it brings out flavor, it prevents decay. When you shine a light, it just goes everywhere. You can't hide it. It just, when they're around salt and light, you are aware of their presence. And it's the same with us as God's kingdom. People should be aware of our presence because we serve Jesus. That's what we're about. We are to be influential for him. And I remember when we were coming to plant the church, I was reading in my Bible and I was doing the kind of Bible in the year plan and I was reading through the book of Jeremiah and I got to this passage which I had read before but never really kind of sort of taking it in and God spoke powerfully to me through it for us as a church and if you've been here a while you've heard me read this but I'll read it again just to kind of earth this it says the prophet Jeremiah is talking to the people of God who've been taken in exile from Jerusalem the city has been destroyed they're now in Babylon which is a pagan foreign land uh, that didn't recognize the God of Israel and it says this thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel to all the exiles from whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And praise the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Our goal as a church is to seek the good of the city that we're a part of good of the areas that we find ourselves to be influential for his kingdom in a positive way if we look at that passage what God was saying to the people and I felt what he was saying to us as a church is you when we moved here to start the church you go there and you think long term think how can you be a blessing to this place about buying houses having children one of our children was born here in good hope we're we're part of what we're doing we own a house here plant vineyards is basically produce something get jobs work in the city be positive seek the welfare of where you are and as a church we are to be influential in this city and we're going to be more influential 
outside this meeting than in it. Because all of you go to places, go to works, go to families, and you have huge influence in there with just being, being who you are, being who God has created you to be. And that's what we're called to do. Whichever area you, f- you spend most of your week in, whether it's anything from you know, business and finance or you work in education or the healthcare system or, or commerce or retail or you're raising kids or, or whatever it is you're doing, God has called you to be influential there for his kingdom, to be a positive benefit there, to see what you do to bring, seek the good of that society, the good of that environment. How can you be a positive influence how can you speak well of people, speak well of your boss, speak well of your colleagues, speak well of what it is? Do your job to the best of your ability. Because we work at everything as if we're working for God. God has put you wherever you are right now for a purpose. And it's there to bring his kingdom and to be positive in that environment. Not joining in all the negativity of the world loves to throw at us. Christians should be the best workers anywhere. And whatever you are, we should just be the best at it because we work at it because we're working for Jesus. We work hard, we train hard, we don't cut corners, we work, we work with honesty and integrity and passion. And we do that. And we are, as a result, we are influential in those places. And as a church, that's my heart, that we would be influential corporately. You know, as we grow as a body, you can have influence. We're having influence here in the school, and it's, it's good. But actually, we've got a far greater influence if we, in our individuals as we go and do what we do. And we can touch so many lives and bring the love and the grace and the compassion of God to so many more people. So we, we are to be an influential church. And the last thing, we are to be a reproducing church. If we look at what Jesus did... His model was he took 12 guys. He trained them. And then in the Great Commission, when he left and went to heaven, he said to them, you go train more. Make disciples. Make more of you. Don't just, it's not just about you. It's about you training others who will then train others. And thus the legacy goes on. You are to reproduce yourself. It's not just everything terminates on you. It's about you giving more and more to others. If we look through the book of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul going around planting church after church after church, reproducing the church that began in Jerusalem, then reproduce itself in more and more towns and cities. There's a great bit in um, Acts 13 and Acts 14, if you watch, where basically in a, a chapter, there's about five, six, seven churches planted one after another. As Paul went to one place after another, preached the gospel, people became Christians. He started a church, moved on to the next one, did the same thing again and again and again. And then when he finished, he went back to the mall to check they're all right before returning home to Antioch where he was based and so we're all about um, reproducing ourselves Paul said to Timothy his son in the faith he says what you've heard from me in the presence of many witness entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others Paul to Timothy Timothy to faithful men to others that's four generations if you will of reproduction of training and seeing people following Jesus. And for us as a church, when we were beginning to start the church and all that process was going, we got prophesied over, Mel and I, four times in four different situations. And they all said the same thing. You've all heard this, haven't you, if you've been here a while. What's our plant as a church? It's the strawberry plant. They all came to us and said, you feel this church, you're going to start a church, it's going to be like a strawberry plant. 
I think, what the hell does that mean? Thank you. You know, I've no idea what you're talking about. But when the second person said it, you thought, I better take this seriously. And when the third person said it, you think, I really need to take it seriously. And when God was like, you really need to take it seriously. So when the fourth person came, you're like, okay, Lord, we're going to take this seriously. And a strawberry plant's a fascinating plant. It grows, it produces fruit, but then it sends out runners, shoots, which go along the ground, which burrow into the ground and produce more plants and so on and so on it goes and when I read that I just thought wow that is something incredible I will take that by faith God do that here and I remember walking um, out in the woods not long after and I came to a wild patch of strawberries which is sort of growing there and as you look down you can see lots of these little red strawberries but you couldn't see where one plant started and one finished because the runners were just connecting on there were leaves and there was life and there was fruit and it was stunning and that's what God has called us to do we are going to reproduce ourselves like on an individual level people will become Christians we'll run alpha courses we'll, we'll do things But also we're going to reproduce ourselves on a corporate level, which means we are going to plant churches. We are going to do what we've done here in other places. I don't know where they are. God hasn't told me yet. But I know it's coming. Maybe 2018 will be the start of something. Who knows? But actually that's the plan. We're not going to take the blessing of God and let it terminate on ourselves. We're going to do everything we can to reproduce ourselves and seek to advance God's kingdom in more places. Maybe it's something we should be in prayer for this year. Praying, God, where, where's next? I'm going to pray that. Anyone want to join me? I just, I don't know. I just feel maybe there's a moment. If you want to just close your eyes. Lord Jesus, you spoke this to us years ago. And we've lived with it for years, Lord. And we've seen elements of fruit amongst us. And we're so grateful for that. God, but we... We stand here now looking out on 2018, not knowing what it holds, but knowing that you are good and that you are faithful. And Lord God, I pray this year that you would speak to us as a people about where's next. Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to look to plant a church? Where do you want us to kind of be investigating in this nation or beyond? Who knows, Lord Jesus. But I ask you to give us grace uh, to hear what you're saying, to see what you're doing. Lord Jesus, that ultimately you would get the glory. God's people said, Amen. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. All right, we'll see what happens. We'll probably pray about that on (laughs) Tuesday night. Come and join us. So that's kind of just a reminder. If you've been here a while, you will have heard that, but I, I don't apologize for that. I want to keep bringing us back to that. This is what we're about. This is where we're going. This is what God has called us to as a people. This is the direction he has set for real life church. And that's what we're going. But particularly for 2018, I want to focus um, on a couple of things for us today. Just to frame where I want us to go as a church over the next 12 months. And as I was kind of preparing this, God spoke to me uh, from a particular verse. We put that verse up um, from Acts 2.42. If you've got it in your Bible, you can go and have it look, look it up. And this, the context of this verse is um, beginning of the book of Acts. So Jesus has come, inaugurated the kingdom born in a Bethlehem in a manger, grown up, gone on his ministry, teaching and healing and training. He's then died on a cross in our place for our sin, risen from death, um, 
appeared to his disciples, given them the commission, then returned to heaven. And then he said, you've got to wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. God, the Holy Spirit comes, fills you, so you'll be empowered to be my witnesses. And in the book of Acts, we see that's what happens. They're praying in the upper room. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They're empowered. Peter stands up. He proclaims the good news of Jesus. Many, many people come to know him. And kind of the church is birthed sort of there. That's that kind of, the church sort of appears. So at the end of the book of Acts chapter 2, we have this short section which basically gives a sort of snapshot of what that church was like. So Acts 2.42 is the beginning of that section. And as I was preparing this and thinking about this over sort of the last months and where are we going to go, what are we going to do, God spoke to me from this verse. And this is the first verse of that section. This is the kind of one he said. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, what I want to, the image that I think will help us with this today is, is a sandwich. Anyone here like sandwiches? Big fan of sandwiches. Now, sandwich, you have two bits of bread or bread-related products or, you know, wheat-free bread, whatever it is, those things. And in the middle, you have a filling. Now, if you haven't got the bread, you've just got a mess, and so that's not a sandwich. But if you haven't got the filling, you've just got bread, which is dull and boring, and it's got no life to it. There's nothing... If someone said, here's a sandwich and there's just two bits of bread, you just go, that's not a sandwich, that's just two bits of bread. So you need it all to make the sandwich. So what we want to look at today is the two bits of bread and the filling that kind of makes it up, which will hopefully focus our minds as we head in. No one's kind of doing diet thing, are they, at the beginning of the year? That's probably normal, is it? So we'll talk about sandwiches and bread and what we can put in them, nice things like that. So let's just look at the first bit. It says, they devoted. Who's, what's he talking about there? They is the church. So he's talking about the people of God. That's what the author, Luke, who wrote Acts, is writing. So he's talking about they devoted themselves. Now, what's this devoted? What does that mean? It says, devoted means to continue steadfastly, to persevere, to be committed, to be constant. It's, that, it's something that requires effort. It's something that requires focus. It's something that requires discipline. It's something that requires a level of passion. It's, something, it's not something you can do passively. It's something that you have to give yourself to. So he's talking about the church. They devoted themselves. So the church here were actively involved. If we put ourselves in that situation, this is us, the church. We have to actively persevere, grab hold of it, be passionate about it, think long term. It's not just a woo, nice feeling, five minute, go out the door, forget about it. It's something we've got to set our minds to and grab hold of. And so when it comes to 2018, that's what I want us to do. Okay, we're going to be devoted this year. We're going to be devoted. It's something that's not going to be something in a, by the end of January we're going to have forgotten about and moved on and given up on. Because what do they say? Most New Year's resolutions don't make it to February or something like that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, fall off. I think the classic one's gym membership, isn't it? You know, everyone joins the gym in January. Yeah, I'm going to get fit and get healthy. And then by the February, there's no one there. Gyms are just, I think, some of the worst places in the world. Their business model relies on you not turning up. 
There's nothing in the world. No restaurant does that. We'll open a restaurant and we're relying on people not coming. That's how we're going to do this. But they, they take your money month on month and they, they want you not to be there. Because if everyone turned up, it would be a total bum fight, wouldn't it? Everyone on this, they expect you to tail off and they just keep taking your money. But anyway, so we're not going to be like that. We're not like going to be the gym membership where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, go for the first week. And do you know what? It's dark and cold and tired and I can't be bothered and works hard and I'd rather have donuts and pizza anyway. And so I'm not going to it. We're not going to do that. We're going to be devoted. All right. Now we're devoted. We've got that. We're going to have, let's look at the bread. Two bits of bread, which are at either end of the statement. Can we have the next one up? It says, you've got the apostles teaching and the prayers. There are your two bits of bread at either end of this kind of sandwich, so to speak. We're just going to have a quick look at both of them. The first one, apostles teaching. What was the apostles teaching? What were they teaching about? Very simply, they were teaching about Jesus. They were telling the people about Jesus. That's what it was. The apostles would have been those who had walked with Jesus, had literally seen Jesus do stuff. They were the ones there. They'd had the personal Bible study with Jesus at the end of Acts, uh, chapter, uh, sorry, Luke 24. And they wrote to Mass, they're the those who had had that, and they went and talked to him. He said, look, in the scripture, it all points to me. So they'd been talking about Jesus. And they'd have talked to him about from the Old Testament, because Jesus is all, the Old Testament's all about Jesus. And then as the New Testament is written by some of these guys, or those who know them, those who are called, what we have is our Bible which contains both Old and New Testaments, which is the psalm of the teaching of God. And so when we get the apostles' teaching, it's our Bible. Now our Bible is basically one book made up of many books, written by many different people, but there's only one author, God. And this is what they devoted themselves to, the teaching of God's Word. And what this book contains... It's everything God intends us to know. It's everything God, need, us needs, everything God needs us to know about life and godliness and salvation and about us is contained in this book. And this is what they were devoted to. This is what they were looking after. It says this book is actually, it's very, it's very, it, it, the essence of what is written is breathed out by God. God's very word to us, not this particular one, but actually what is written in whatever form we find it is are the very words of God. And this is what they were devoted to. And there's two things I want us just to think about this, this today. The first one, this is our foundation. Have you got a Bible? Put it on the floor in front of you. I'm not going to stand it because it's my Bible and I'll read it and I don't want to stand on it because I might damage it. But... Put it in your feet. This is what we stand on. This is our foundation. This teaches us what God has chosen to reveal himself to man. How God has chosen to reveal himself. It's the way we get to know him. It's the way we find out about him. It's the way we learn about him. It tells us all about his holiness and his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace. It also tells us about us. It tells us about our sin. It tells us how we're under right judgment because of that sin. It tells us that we have fallen and we are rebels and we have turned our back on God and walked away from Him. But it also talks about the salvation and the grace and the mercy that comes through Christ. That actually in Christ we are now holy 
and righteous. We have been saved. We have a Father in heaven who loves us and wants to know us. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And that's what we can stand on to live this life. But as well as being the foundation on which we stand, it's also the authority which is over us. You've got a Bible. Hold it above your head. This book is above you. The word of God is right. You don't judge it. It judges you. What it says is right. Even if everyone else says it's wrong. If this says something is right, it's right. If this something is wrong, it's wrong. If this says what God is like, that is what God is like. If this says what, what you're like, it's what you're like. We don't argue with it. We submit to it. You can take it down now. You're not going to the gym. This could be a workout. I'm just saying. Just down there, hold it. But that's what it is. It is our foundation, but it is also our authority. It's something we submit ourselves to. It's something we come under. As we come to it, we come humbly to learn from it. Not to bring our kind of teaching to it and try and twist it the way we want to it. We humbly learn and we do what it says and live the way it tells us to live. And as Christians, we are to be people of the word, people of this book. There is no alternative. You can't say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not interested in God's word, or it's not something I do, or I'm not. Yes, this is, this is the only way God has chosen to reveal himself to us, his word. And so we are to be people who are reading it and learning from it. It is vital for our spiritual health and growth to be people who read the Bible, who who kind of feed on it. And when it comes to 2018, what I want our focus to be is to be people who are growing in knowledge and understanding of God's Word. We're going to do that on a corporate level. We're going to keep teaching you the Bible. We've, we're in the, which book are we preaching through at the moment? Good. You haven't forgotten. We're going to get back into Joshua next week. Um, we're going to run it down sort of towards Easter and hopefully wrap it up then. We're also going to look to do this year some teaching um, on the Bible and just to help you. But it's something we're going to keep ticking over this year. So we're going to do it as a corporate. We're going to keep remarking about We're going to keep teaching the Bible, keep encouraging. But as an individual, I want us to set the challenge, the focus to make our daily Bible reading a habit that goes through this year and then follows us through life. I want us to be people who read the Word of God. And you can do this many different ways. There isn't just one way of doing it. There are many different ways. I want to suggest to you some of these which might help you. And it's, as we're a techie generation, this one might appeal to some of you. I am reading the Bible in a year, which I haven't done for a number of years now, uh, but I'm starting, I started on January the 1st, so I'm seven days in uh, to reading that. And uh, there's an app which can really help you with this. And it doesn't matter if you haven't started it, you can join in at any time. The, uh, the app is called Read Scripture. If you go on the iTunes store or you go on the Google equivalent, you just type that in, Read Scripture app, you will pick it up. And it, you can get it on your phone. I've got it on my phone here. Here's it. I've got it on my phone. He's got his groovy little thing. And this is fantastic. We've used, uh, remember the videos I've sometimes shown you at the beginning of a book from the Bible Project people. 
And they show you the video, it gives you an outline of a book. Well, this is done by those guys, and they've integrated a reading plan with all the videos in. So all you need to do is go on there, click it, it shows you a video, and you're starting a new book, and then you just read the book. And the text is even on your phone. So you, didn't even, even, you only need to have a phone. Isn't that amazing? I hate them, but it's amazing. It's all there. So for me, if I want to start tomorrow, Psalm 8, it tells me I've got to read Genesis 25, 28. Take a deep breath as you begin to spend time with God. And then it's just, look, it's got all the text. I can just read my Bible all the way through, and the bottom I get a tick. I won't do that because that's tomorrow's. But at the beginning of Genesis, it gave me a video on my phone. I sat and watched a video. I read my Bible. Now, for me personally, I prefer a book. So I got my phone out and I read it in the book and then ticked it off because that's just the way I work. But if you haven't got anything, use that. If you think that looks too utterly overwhelming, just go to the New Testament bit. Read the New Testament. Set yourself. Read a book. Pick a book. Pick a gospel. I'll work my way through the gospel of Matthew or whatever. Do something. Get in it. Both Melanie and I are doing this, by the way, this year. I'm doing it in the morning. Mel tends to do it in hers in the evening. I encourage you. Find something that works. That's just a suggestion. You might want to ask around others. Others might have different ways of approaching it. But that one is brilliant because you can do it anytime, anywhere. You can do it on the train because it's, it's all on your phone. But get into God's Word. I'm going to keep banging on about this all year. Because we are to be people of God's word and we're people of prayer. Uh, sorry, of Bible reading. We'll get on to prayer. Of Bible reading. We should be doing that and we want what it is. Another thing I just want to offer a book which is about the Bible. So this is not a substitute, but it's really short, so it's great. It's called um, The Bible in 100 Pages. If you're just not familiar with the Bible as a whole, of why it's made up, why is it done the way it is, this is an excellent book. 100 Pages, Fillmore, The Bible in 100 Pages. Have a read of this. It's a really good kind of... I chucked it on Amazon. So you can get it about for about three or four pounds um, delivered to your door. So come and grab that as just a, if you want to read something. It's also really short, which means you can nail it by the end of January and feel like I've read a book this year, isn't it? You know, feeling good. Tick that one off your list. All right. What's the other, what's the other part of the sandwich? Prayer. It says the prayers. You've got that translation. It's a bit clunky. But basically, it's, the idea of being behind it is kind of covering all types of prayer corporate individual but it was that they devote themselves to the apostles teaching and to prayer they're the two bits apostles teaching and prayer so we have the bible and we have prayer prayer is simply talking to our father in heaven that's what it is simply talking to god it's simply having a conversation with him and all of us know that communication is vital to any relationship you can't have a relationship with anyone if you don't communicate with them And if you cease to communicate with them, your relationship will deteriorate to the point where you'll say, we don't have a relationship because we don't talk. And this can happen in marriages, this can happen in friendships, this can happen between parents and children, it can happen. It's just we all know that intuitively. It's the same for us as believers. We need to be talking to our Father in heaven. Jesus is our model, obviously. We follow the model of Jesus and he would frequently go and pray and talk to his father in heaven before he made big decisions it was, it, was, it was so kind of interesting for his disciples to the point where they went and bothered him and said you keep going to pray tell us how you do that and what do we get we get what we call the lord's prayer okay i'll teach you how to pray here we go our father who art in heaven jesus made it a priority he did it regularly he did it in all circumstances and we're to be people of prayer. We're to be people who pray when we're thankful. 
We pray when we're facing difficult times, praying when we need provision. It's a great reminder for us. One of the fascinating things I find about prayer is it constantly reminds me I'm not God because I have a tendency to think I am sometimes, that I can control things, that I can do things my way, that I'm actually in charge. I know better. All these kind of tendencies come out. Don't look at me like it's just me. You know, I mean, you're looking at me like, oh dear. No, we all have these tendencies, don't we? Yeah, three of us, okay. But we're all like, prayer just rips those down and actually says, God, we need you. God, we need you. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your grace. We need your courage. We need your boldness. We need your provision. We need you. We can't do this life without you. And we have a Father in heaven who loves us and is wanting to have time with us, wanting to communicate with us, wanting to hear our prayers, wanting to hear our praise and thanks, wanting to just be involved in our lives. And Jesus says, you pray about all things. Pray about what we need, what's going on, protection, he says, you pray. We pray for God's kingdom to come. We do all these things. And the Bible's also full of other models of prayer that we can talk to our Father in heaven. And so, as we head into 2018, I want us to be a people who grow in prayer. Grow corporately. We have our prayer meeting, Church of Prayer, which we run every third week, which we do here at the girls' school. First one's on Tuesday. Seamless plug there. Um, so I expect you to be there. Come and pray. We do it in our life groups. When we're not praying all together, we meet in our life groups where we eat and we chat and we pray. And every week we should be gathering together to pray and worship. Yeah, we eat. Eat's great. That's how we always start our meetings. Eat. It gets connection, it's relational, we're sitting around, we get fed, it's good times, and we chat about the most important thing in the world, which is our relationship with Jesus, and then we get to the end and we pray, and we pray for the church, we pray for one another, and we worship, and we sing songs, and we do all those things to kind of encourage our relationship with Jesus. So we do that corporately, but also individually. Prayer should be something we should be looking at as a church. Daily prayer. If you do that app on the Bible, it, it reads scripture, it actually says a bit. It kind of says, well, now you can pray. You know, they, they would put a psalm in every day at the end that you read and then you pray out of, which I've been doing. What I've also been doing, I've got a journal. I do one every year. Here's mine. It says Journal 2018, which I started. My journals are always Moleskins because I love them and they just feel nice. But my journal this year is I write. What I've decided to do is I'm going to write my prayers because when you write something down, you don't get distracted. If you try praying... Dear Lord Jesus, you are the most awesome. I need to do the washing up. Right, I just, right now, I need to unload the dishwasher. Do you know, you ever have that one? Or you thought that email, I've just got to send. Why you, when you're writing something down, it's harder to do that. Or typing, you can type, it doesn't matter. But here's my first day, I wrote a prayer. I always start, I write something thankful. I'm thankful for, I'm trying to be, I realize I'm not as thankful as I should be. So I always start every day with a, I'm thankful for. This morning, I was thankful for, we had Levi's birthday party yesterday. We had a great time, he's got a great bunch of friends. And we've been praying about some things that had been answered. So I've actually got an answer there. And then I just wrote a prayer about you guys and praying and preaching this morning. And, and I wrote something down. And so I've got my prayer there and I've got my, um, that's my reading plan. I've, got, I've, I've printed it out because I don't do digital very well. So I printed it out. But I'm, I'm trying to develop a daily habit of prayer more. And so I thought, if I write it, that will help me focus and I'm encouraging us to think of, think of a way to build it into your life. You can pray at dinner. Pray with your kids. If you've got kids, pray with friends. 
but build prayer into your life more and more and more. Time's cracking on. Let's find the last one. Let's do the filling of the sandwich. If you've just got them, although they're good, I think if that's literally all you had, I think your sandwich would be a bit dry and a bit dull because God's given us some filling. And that's the community. What, what comes in between? Fellowship and breaking of bread. I submit to you that your Bible reading and prayer works a hundred times better when you're in community. As Christians, we're designed to be in community. The church is a community. There was 120 in the upper room. God thought, good one, let's add. Suddenly 3,000 get added. A community of people. And they, they, share, they got together, they fellowship. That means close connection, relationship, community. The breaking of bread, there's a little bit of debate among scholars whether that's referring to the Lord's supper thing, the, the bread and the wine, communion, Eucharist, or is it just a general breaking of bread, eating together? Some say it could be one, it could be the other. Cause, cause, because when we meet in our life groups, we do both. I think we just nailed that one. So it, it, it could be that. Do you know what? We do both. When we meet together, we eat and we share bread and wine together. For far as I'm concerned, we got that. But the point for us is that we need to be in a community. Not just turn up on a Sunday, not just say I'm part of our church, but be part of the church community. That means, number one, get in a life group. If you haven't got in one or connected one or you've drifted out of one, 2018, get connected. Get, be part of the community. Be part of people asking how you're doing. Be part of people saying, you know, I want to pray for you, I want to support you, I want to help you. Those things are vital to making it work, getting encouragement, getting feedback. Do that. Christianity is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. It's a team sport. You need to be together. There are no superstars. There's no one person who can do it all. You can't go it alone. You need to be part of the community. You need to spur each other on. You need to encourage each other. The Bible is full of each other and one anothering phrases that require a community context to work out. If you're going to love one another, you've got to find some people to love. You've got to be in their community with them. It just stands to reason. You can't go it alone. Do what you can to be connected. It doesn't necessarily mean you can attend every week. You know, couples sometimes babysitting, one goes, other goes. I wear something, you share something. Just be part of something where people are looking out of you. People are thinking of you. Okay, final bit to finish. According to BBC News and Sky News, because I read some articles in News, there's some things apparently common to keep New Year's resolutions. They said, the first thing they said is make a plan. Make a plan. If you're going to keep a New Year's resolution, they said make a plan. Make sure it's reasonable. Don't think, I'm going to read 50 chapters of the Bible every day. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's not reasonable. Pick something reasonable. They also said make it detailed. They said, make it detailed. So actually have a set plan that you've worked out. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do this and do this and work it out. Even write it down or put it on a note on your phone or something. Make a plan. Don't leave this to just, oh, I'll think about it because it won't happen. Best will in the world, it won't. Make a plan. And the second thing they said, interestingly, was tell someone else. They, they had some sort of, Statistics that it, people who share what they want to do and involve others are way more likely to achieve, which is fascinating, isn't it? 
Actually, there's slightly, there's a, partly there's a fear thing. If I told Joe Bloggs that I'm going <laughs> to be reading my Bible every day this week and then I've got to go to group and guess what? He's going to ask me, what does that do? I really, I, really, I really need to, I really need to read it. You know, there's that kind of, that for some guys is a competitive thing. I've got to do it because they're going to do it and I, want, I don't want to look silly in front of them. But telling others, being part of community. So not this week, next week, group leaders, I'd love you to just talk to your group, talk to others, share what you're going to do with this, how are you doing it. In fact, you all know it's coming in like 10 days' time. Better have a plan. Better get it ready to share. Just saying. Get out on the WhatsApp group. Have you got it? Especially those who are in my group, because I might be going. But, you know, that would be awkward with me there. So, no, anyway. But that's a make a plan, tell someone. It's cold in it. Stand up. Come on. Can we have the band up? Limber up. Limber up. All right. Just want to close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us. I also read in those articles the way they both started off was actually, for most New Year's resolutions they worked out through the studies and research, is none of it's new. No one does new things generally. For, it's usually the top ones are things like get in shape, lose weight, find a new job, spend more time with family. There's nothing that I've shared today that's new. But it's vital. Absolutely vital to who we are as a people. That we're people of God's word, that we're people of prayer, that we're people in the community. And so I just want to pray into that, that as we head into 2018, that by God's grace... He will enable us to move into these areas, to keep going. And if you think, do you know what? God's been poking me today on some things I need to do. Just respond in faith and say, God, I'm going to do it. You might even start dropping in specifics, like I want you to do this. or the, Who knows? But I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship and enjoy God together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for what it has revealed to us. We want to thank you for the great salvation that we have received as your people. Lord, I want to thank you for the church. I want to thank you for this community that you have knitted us into. Lord God, I want to thank you for the gift that it is. Lord, I want to thank you for prayer that we can stand here and just speak to you. No sacrifices, no temple, no priests because that's all been done away because you are the sacrifice. You are the great high priest and he just bids us come. And so, Lord, we come boldly to your presence now. And, Lord, we say we praise you and we love you and we are so thankful for all you've done in our lives. We're thankful for this new year before us. We thank you for this church. We thank you for, the, for our salvation, Lord God. And I pray you give us boldness and strength and courage as we move into 2018 to be people who love your word and read it, to people who love prayer and pray, for people who are connected in community and seek to draw others in and seek to be a part of that. And God's people said, Amen.